DW Africa Link If you want to know what's going on in Africa and beyond then this is the right place to be. Hello and welcome to the program with me Zoya Fröhlich. And I am Eddie Micah Jr. Join us on Facebook at DW Africa and share your thoughts on the stories we're covering. Coming up on the program was Facebook's parent company Meta in contempt of order in content moderation case. A court in Kenya says no. I think this is not fair because the court should have done so much. I think that judgment pronounced by the court is really not fair because those workers are out of work and they have rights which should be protected. Right. Content moderators on Meta keep raising issues about the company. We hear the experience of one of them during Ethiopia's Tigray war. I'm afraid I became desensitized. I don't react to seeing blood or dismembered bodies because I saw it for hours every day. I don't feel like I'm part of normal society anymore. Stay tuned for the details after the world news in brief. DW News. Hello, I'm Keith Walker. At least 66 people are now known to have been injured in the Seychelles after a huge explosion in the Providence area of the archipelago's main island. Footage showed debris strewn in the blast area as well as a crater. It was not immediately clear what caused the blast. The Seychelles Watt president has declared a state of emergency. People have been warned to stay at home and schools were closed. UK Prime Minister Rishi Sunak has vowed to get migrant flights to Rwanda off the ground. The PM said he will not allow the European Court of Human Rights in Strasbourg to block flights to Rwanda carrying asylum seekers. He was speaking at Downing Street at a lectern that reads Stop the Boats. I will not allow a foreign court to block these flights. If the Strasbourg court chooses to intervene against the express wishes of our sovereign parliament, I will do what is necessary to get flights off. And today's new laws already make clear that the decision on whether to comply with interim measures issued by the European court is a decision for British government ministers and British government ministers alone. A trial of an experimental HIV vaccine in Uganda, Tanzania and South Africa has been stopped early. According to Reuters news agency, which cites the trial's chief investigator, preliminary data suggested it would not be effective in preventing infection. The trial was testing two different combinations of experimental HIV vaccines. AfricaLink News comes to you from Germany's international broadcaster DW. Turkish President Recep Tayyip Erdogan is in Greece for talks and to start what has been billed as a new chapter between Turkey and Greece. The diplomatic visit is expected to cover trade and migration as well as broaching long-standing issues over territorial disputes in the Aegean Sea. Finally, pop superstar Taylor Swift has been named Time magazine's Person of the Year. The American news magazine described her as a musical force of nature and praised her as both the writer and the hero of her own story. Taylor Swift is the first woman to be awarded the title twice. She also won in 2017. We asked entertainment journalist KJ Matthews what makes Taylor Swift such a force of pop. Popular culture. 
She has dominated the headlines every single month of this year. I mean, she's done everything. We're now looking at the fact that she's in a new relationship with an NFL player. She went on concert tour and she's breaking records at the box office with her film about her concert. She's out there doing it all. She's every woman and we all love her music. And the most important thing is she boosts the local economy everywhere she goes. And that's the latest. I'm Keith Walker. Thank you, Keith, for that news. And uh, yeah, Taylor Swift boosting the economy wherever she goes. Mm, well, there are a couple of countries I would, uh, I would be happy if she visited to boost that economy. But hey, <laughs> thanks for staying with us on the program. If you just joined us, welcome to Africa Link with me, Eddie Micah Jr. And my name is Leah Frulich. Remember to comment on the stories we are covering on our Facebook page, GW Africa. And there's David and Shamba saying hello. And Eddie, I would really like Taylor Swift to comment like Travel Subsara Africa. I'm pretty sure she has some fans out there I'm, I'm sure i'm sure yeah people are just expecting her to south africans for instance i'm excited that she uh, is not uh, coming to perform over there but uh yeah we'll see only time will tell how global indeed taylor swift is mm-hmm. well let's uh, talk about global right uh, and 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 stuff that's making headlines kenya and facebook they are definitely making headlines right now according i will be earlier on thursday found facebook's parent company meta was not in contempt of court for failing to pay dozens of content moderators that uh, contractor laid off. That's right, Eddie. The complaint was that Facebook failed to pay the salaries of more than 180 sacked outsourced moderators. Mm -hmm. However, the legal battle continues into the next year. Joining us now with more details is Andrew Wasike from the Kenyan capital, Nairobi. The Employment and Labor Relations Court ruling in Nairobi today is a pivotal moment in a lawsuit brought by 43 former Facebook content moderators. Judge Matthew Sinduma, who made the ruling, expressed that the court still believes an out-of-court settlement of the dispute could have been in the best interest of all parties. They allege mistreatment, unfair dismissal, and a disregard for their well-being while moderating disturbing content. Meta, the parent company of Facebook, was today acquitted of content of court charges. However, the legal battle continues, says lawyer Massimo Mutemi, who is representing 43 out of the 180 sacked employees. The reason we don't see videos of beheading and sexual violence on Facebook is because there are content moderators on the front line constantly consuming this content, reviewing it and taking it down before you and me have a chance to look at it. Facebook and Summer lure young, promising, yet vulnerable and unsuspecting youth from Kenya and other African countries. The moderators, employed by Summer, a Kenyan-based firm contracted by Meta, claim they were subjected to underpayment, overwork, and insufficient training. They argue that the constant exposure to graphic and distressing content took a toll on their mental health. Kenyans with relatives who worked with Meta are still hoping for justice. I spoke to some of them. Living in Nairobi, I think this is not fair because the court should have done so much. I think that judgment pronounced by the court is really not fair because those workers are out of work and they have rights which should be protected. Meta, previously Facebook, has opted for an out-of-court settlement with the moderators who sued them. The company faces allegations of violating Kenyan labor laws and retaliating against employees seeking better conditions. As the legal battle unfolds here in Nairobi, it brings to light not only the challenges faced by content moderators, but also the broader questions 
surrounding the responsibilities of tech giants towards their workforce. Andrew Wasike reporting from the Kenyan capital Nairobi. And Eddie, as mm-hmm. always, we asked you on our Facebook page, DW Africa, what you make of this story. And we have quite some comments there. We have indeed, Zelia. Yenka Adegoke says, Netflix and Meta are some of the global players who've been buying carbon credits from Kenya, but now local communities are being disrupted to generate the credits. Okay, so you're pointing fingers at Netflix and Meta. Mm-hmm. And um, Chase wrote on X, which is formerly Twitter, contempt of morals, definitely. <laughs> well, well, Groot says the organization has been particularly vocal in its support of former Meta content moderators in Kenya who have suffered from the lack of psychosocial support and unfavorable working conditions. Hashtag moderators matter. Mm-hmm. Noor says that is also the reason Twitter pays Kenyans $5 and pays American content creators thousands. Um, it's not racist. Ads are just cheaper in Kenya. American advertisers pay Google, Meta, and etc. much more. Mm, yeah, a lot of people expressing their thoughts on this matter. But 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 it's it's clear that the case is far from over. There's so many different uh, cases that have been brought up against Meta, and uh, we'll be keeping tabs on that and let you know. You know, this case actually sheds light on the working conditions of Facebook content moderators, especially those working through outsourcing companies. Meta has previously said it requires partners to provide industry-leading conditions. But has that really been the case? Mm. Let's hear the story of one woman who fled the Tigray war in Ethiopia to Kenya. Speaking on condition of anonymity, she shared her experience as a Facebook content moderator with our correspondent Marielle Müller. During the recent war in Ethiopia's Tigray region, Fiori fled the country and moved to Kenya. She thought she was leaving behind the trauma she had witnessed firsthand. In Nairobi, she got a job working as a content moderator for Facebook, not knowing what she'd signed up for. Watching shocking videos, day in, day out, there was no escaping the trauma. All you see is slaughter, dismembered bodies, people being burned alive. And once you see it, you can't unsee it, especially for those of us who have relatives in Tigray, where the war was happening. Watching your people doing those things to each other is shocking. Even though the pay was only $2 per hour, she didn't quit. She needed the money to survive and felt trapped. For more than two years, Fiori watched gruesome videos from the war in Tigray. Her job was to flag them so they could be deleted. Torture and executions, sometimes even live, streamed by soldiers. Sama is Facebook's outsourcing company that employed her. They sometimes offered so-called wellness time, 20 minutes with a counsellor, but it was no help as she wasn't allowed to talk about what she'd seen. I'm afraid I became desensitised. I don't react to seeing blood or dismembered bodies because I saw it for hours every day. I don't feel like I'm part of normal society anymore. In the past, Facebook has been accused of not doing enough to prevent the spread of incitement to violence in Ethiopia. Fiori says that's because only around 20 people worked on the content on the war in Tigray, far too small a team to effectively block harmful and inciting content. 
our correspondent Maria Muller in Nairobi, Kenya. So, as early as we said, it's, it's as long going, ongoing, long battles, I should say, and um, we will update our listeners whenever we get any info. Yeah, absolutely. What comes out. Yeah, I tell you, we've been reporting on the UK Rwanda, you know, mm-hmm. migration deal, and it's been going back and forth for a bit, hasn't it? And the last we heard earlier this week, well, Britain is trying to push it through, right? But it has also drawn some sort of reactions from people even within the government. So Britain's ruling Conservative Party was in disarray on Wednesday after its immigration minister quit over legislation regarding sending migrants to Rwanda. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak's uh, position looked increasingly vulnerable after Robert Jenrick said uh, he had resigned due to, quote, strong disagreements with the direction of the government's policy on immigration. Mm, The bombshell resignation came after Rwanda warned that it would pull out of a treaty to accept migrants if Britain did not respect international law. And um, obviously, this is a spicy debate, which we also took to our Facebook page. And um, a lot of you have commented, and we want to encourage you to please always do that, because we are excited to Mm -hmm. hear what you think of our stories. And um, Joseph K. Mboya said... The good precedent set by the Rwandan government to respect international treaties on immigration. Britain should respect international law, period. Chai Emery says it's appalling. Tomorrow, the same British will advocate for human rights. Alberto Siga is saying an Indian migrant politician trying to stop other migrants from entering a country which is not even... His And we have to mention here once again, Prime Minister Rishi Sunak was indeed born in Great Britain. <laughs> well, yeah. Julia Sakip says you send immigrants back to their countries, but reserve dirty money from their countries. So trying to find the irony in all of this, Julius. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Again, a lot of really mm. passionate comments here. Also, Super Tansky is saying the Rwanda policy isn't just illegal and immoral. It's embarrassing that any government would go to such lengths to deflect from their own um well, mess ups. things mess ups. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Our priority is not dying before we can use the NHS, the cost of living. But this utter nonsense. Mm. And then there's yeah. this interesting one from Rachel Tite, which says it has cost the British taxpayer an absolute fortune, too. Why not spend the money actually processing asylum claims or, oh, yes, because the basically condemning the UK government that they don't like the idea of actual growth. Uh, growing up uh, solutions is, I think, what you're trying to say. I mean, so yeah, it's, it's understandable why this is going back and forth because there's, we all know there's one point that the court actually ruled against it mm-hmm. and then the UK government said, no, we're going to push this through because, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, right? So it's, it's that sort of back and forth. But a lot of human rights folks are saying that that's just, that's just not right. So as I mean, a stance, it looks like it's going to happen, Zilia. Yeah, I mean, there have been like a lot of protests on yeah. this, right? So yeah. um, it's, it's we're going to see how yeah. this is going to turn out eventually. Um, I mean... taps on it for sure. <laughs> exactly. I mean, yeah. Prime Minister Rishi Sunak, he definitely said he's going to push through with it. Yeah. And um, well, we're going to see the outcome yeah. eventually. Eventually. Well, if you joined us, well, then welcome to DW's Africa Link program. And uh, the name is Eddie Micah Jr. And I'm Zoya Fröhlich. Connect with us on Facebook at DW Africa. Remember to like and follow the page and also comment on the stories we are covering. Still to come on the program, the DLC's election are already being criticized before even taking place on the 20th of December, especially concerned the West. While the US are very expressive, other countries keep rather quiet. 
France, which at the moment is observing its relations with African countries, is keeping a low profile and doesn't want another anti-French sentiment in the continent. We are going to Nigeria, where Fulani herdsmen have vowed to form a nationwide security outfit to assist security agencies in curbing criminalities such as cattle rustling, kidnapping and rural banditry confronting the country. The Fulani Social Cultural Association, Mieti Ala Kotauhor, has announced uh, to set up vigilantes in 36 states. Over 4,000 men are on the ground, which security experts and analysts see as another security threat to Nigeria. Shehu Salmanu reports. This is the leader of one of the hardest social cultural groups in Nigeria, unveiling their plan to establish a Fulani security outfit tagged as nomadic vigilantes. Hades are widely accused of being the culprits in disturbing the peace and security in northern Nigeria. Abdullah Badejo, the national president of the group, says the preparations are already in full swing. No going back in setting up this security outfit because we have gone far in preparations with 4,000 personnel starting with 2,140 men and the world will witness this in the next few days. Nomadic vigilantes are quite independent from the one formed by state government. This attempt comes after some troubled state of the north set up community guards to tackle the menace of banditry and kidnapping bedeviling the region. The leader explains the reason why now and not before. The reason why we set up nomadic vigilantes is that we know how government forces are complaining about mismanagement and shortage of funds, and also the reports we are receiving on the killing of our members by the just-established state community court when accused by being bandits. The security experts said that duplications of security outputs will only exacerbate the situation. Dr. Huzagezo is a security analyst. I think one of the biggest uh, mistakes uh, Tinubu administration will make is to allow this uh, new complex circumstance to, to come up. Because this is a duplication in duplication. The best thing for government to do is once you can have the police work being done very well, you don't need cultural hurry and you don't need to allow the states also to have their own initiative. So by implication, we are going to have different agencies or mechanism being utilized. So I don't really see it right for government to accept anything to do with that. Recently, a Yoruba social cultural group issued notice to all Fulani hardest to quit Yoruba land in the southwestern Nigeria, but the hardest group in the country dismissed the notice given to them as the Nigerian constitution gives every citizen the right to live in every part of the country. Shehu Samanu with this report from Nigeria. Jumping straight to our Facebook page, DW Africa. Your comments. Sunday, Hosea says it's only in Nigeria that herders do whatever they like without governments checking despite state security networks. God help us. Emmanuel Austin is saying, I know President Tinubu is too wise to ride on the back of Tiger, knowing fully, fully well that Nigerian Christians will become victims. Wow. Mm. Yeah, it's, it's, it's this thing where people yeah. t- try to turn <laughs> different folks against exactly. each other. Um, well, Sakiolo Vandi says, no, there is a need to do such in some situations, okay?
Well, keep the comments on these stories coming. We like to read them out. Um, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. For sure. Let's uh, look at some other stories making headlines. Uh, Democratic Republic of Congo's presidential elections is happening on the 20th December. It's already sparking debate about the integrity of the country's electoral process and a spiraling conflict in the East. Now, the process of organizing the elections in Africa's fourth most populous country has been called ill-prepared and troubled by some analysts. The presidential, legislative and regional elections are taking place against the backdrop of flaring rebel violence in Congo's east that has already displaced 6.9 million people, as well as a shrinking space for dissent and accusations that Congo's electoral commission, CENI, is biased towards the incumbent, Felix Tshisekedi. Western nations have shown different levels of unease about the situation in the DRC and the integrity of its electoral process. This report by Kate Herson is now voiced by Crispin Mwakideu. Criticism has come, amongst others from U.S. lawmakers who called on Congolese President Felix Tshisekedi to guarantee the elections are free and fair. They expressed concern about the lack of transparency surrounding the electoral process so far and increasing reports of attacks and harassment of political figures and detentions of civil society activists. Numerous rights organizations have decried the rise in political persecutions and attacks on journalists. CENI, which says it has registered 43.9 million Congolese, has failed to publish voters' lists or allow them to be vetted. It also hasn't finalized polling station locations. Researcher and Congo expert Jason Stans believes the U.S. is increasingly focused on the DRC because it is worried that most of countries' mining exports, which include gold, diamonds and cobalt, flow to China. Much of this sector is now owned by China, and almost all of these minerals are shipped out for refining in China. And the United States has become increasingly worried and concerned about this as tensions with China ratcheted up. The EU Council in July noted Seni's sustained work, but highlighted criticisms and concerns made by the opposition and civil society in Congo. The EU had deployed a long-term election observer mission to Congo ahead of the start of the official election campaign on November 19th. It says it is sending the mission upon Shisekeri's invitation, which is explained by Bob Kabamba, a political scientist at the University of Liège in Belgium. Most European countries are aligning themselves with the Election Commission's position on monitoring and support of the electoral process. And France, which at the moment is observing its relations with African countries, is keeping a low profile and doesn't want another anti-French sentiment in the continent. Despite its mineral wealth, Congo is among the five poorest nations in the world. In 2022, 62% of Congolese, around 60 million people, lived on less than $2.15, that's roughly 2 euros a day, according to the World Bank. This makes the country particularly dependent on Western aid, explains researcher and author Jason Stans. Shisekedi has spent a large part of his presidency outside of the country, in part courting and negotiating with these donors. And so there, there's a perception that these donors are very, very important. So uh, the, I'm sure the European Union has been you know, leveraging that to be able to deploy their observers there um, during this critical process. On the other hand, says Nick Elebe, a Congo-based special advisor at the Open Society Africa, most Western countries have limited leverage on the election process because they aren't investing into the country as hoped by the DRC government. We witnessed a Congolese government that was expecting 
much more in terms of investments uh, from from Western countries on diverse aspects of its program. More investors, more business, more people coming to intervene in, in Congo economy. But it seems that they have not seen that level again. This is the reason why they are turning again to others like China or Russia. LBS is in Congo the same fatigue towards Western powers who are seen as acting hypocritically, particularly in their failure to rebuke neighboring Rwanda for its support of M23 rebels fighting in eastern Congo. Although Rwanda denies supporting the M23 rebels, investigations by the United Nations, among other organizations, provide solid evidence that it does. Crispin Mwaki Deo presenting that report by Kate Hessen. Well, and Eddie, we're seeing that the run-up to the elections in the DRC is already kind of messy with irregularities in the electoral process, mm-hmm. harassment and detentions. And as we just heard, the West is expressing concern for different reasons. Yeah, we also reported uh, sometime yesterday DR Congo refused to authorize satellite equipment for European Union election observers over fears that it will be used to manipulate the presidential poll later this month. One of our colleagues, Isaac Mugabe, has been keenly following this matter and is with us in the studio. Hello, Isaac. Uh, hello, Eddie. Hello, Zilia. Thanks <laughs> for inviting me to the studio. Well, Isaac, you have just heard some countries in the West have expressed concern regarding the Congolese elections. Plainly speaking, what would you say? Should that matter to the DRC? Well, I think it matters a lot and in many ways. First of all, there are legitimate concerns that a poorly organized election in the DRC is a recipe for disaster. And why am I saying this? There are the security concerns, not only for for the population, especially those in eastern Congo that to a large extent have been disenfranchised. But again, also the the rhetoric going on with inflammatory tones from candidates trying to pitch uh, the population against uh, the West, Mm -hmm. against certain candidates, is also worrisome. You know, we Mm -hmm. we know that uh, the incumbent president, it's in Felix Kitsakedi, has already mentioned that one of his rivals and a candidate also, Moise Katumbi, who's very popular in the Katanga region, the rich, rich mineral region, is allied to the West and also a darling of Rwanda. So already Mm -hmm. that is pitting the the the, the uh, electors or yeah. the, the people mm-hmm. against that candidate, mm. which is also worrisome. And again, on the economic front, uh, w- the West is worried, not because out of so much love. No, the Americans are worried that you know much of the minerals coming out of the Congo are flowing into China. So it's not to say that maybe they feel so sorry for the people, the Congolese, mm. but they also want a share of... <laughs> Congolese world. So that's why there's lots of concern to see mm. how this election goes. So many different parts of this. Uh, mm. but, but let me ask, people may be wondering, how important are Western observer missions in a country like the DRC? Well, on the surface, you might think that is political meddling of the West or the EU. But again, it is important. Remember, Eddie, who pays the paper, plays the tune. So mm. much of the reports from these observers shape the opinion and shape the basis to which these countries can support DRC. Don't forget that 60% of uh, DRC's 60 million people lives or survives under US dollars, meaning that the West, whether you like it or not, Germany, France, Belgium, and also the US have to chip in 
on the development budget and also the supplementary budget to help mm. you know Congolese go by. So in other words, they might they need to know where their money goes, mm. whether it is it is going to be spent wisely or the people have a say into the issues of governance and democratic accountability. That is very important for them, and that's why it matters for these mm. you know these countries to save in to send in their observers to yeah. see whether whether really their taxpayers' money will be used to the best of the, how they want it to be spent. Well, and Isaac, we have just heard the European Union wants to use satellite equipment um, for their election observers, and the DRC has refused that over fears of manipulation. But would you say that's not maybe rather a sign to the West to not overstep boundaries? I mean, with all intent and purpose, if you are to deploy satellites, that is something that, that a lot of factors come in play here. Are you going only to use the satellites for the purpose of which you apply that license for? We know this is controversial. Every country is very particular about its security concerns. And who knows, who knows what other information could be collected? I think the EU, in all fairness, and all those who wanted to use the satellites needed to apply for this much earlier, let's say ahead of time, let's say a year before. So that mm. also the Congolese authority prep themselves how these satellites will be manned, who will be behind the control of, of, of them. Otherwise, it's not something easy, especially when we say that countries are sovereign in in many ways. Mm. I think it was overstepping as as far as I'm concerned and as far as what also other independent observers think. Mm. Right. Isaac mm. Mugabe giving us a load. Isaac, in 10 seconds, uh, mm. really, how could all this play out ahead of elections? I mean, we shall, without fear of contradiction, we expect to see some demonstrations, especially in Kinshasa, whichever mm. way the election goes. I can guarantee you this for free. Okay. Thank you very much, Isaac Mugabe, in-house expert following everything DRC. And thank you guys for tuning in to the program with me, Eddie Micah Jr. And Silja Fröhlich. DW. Made for Minds.